or welcome. Scratch that. <laughs> Starting off with a bang. Hello and welcome to the AWS Developer Podcast. I'm Emily. No, Perry. it's developers, Emily, <laughs> not developer. I, I just yelled about that at someone the other day, actually, about that. Okay. Hello and welcome to the AWS Developers Podcast. I'm Emily Freeman here with Dave Isbitsky, and we're joined today by Lindbergh Mattiano. I'm so glad to have you. Lindbergh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about the company you work for, what your role is, uh, and sort of what your day-to-day -day looks like. Yeah, so um, I work for a company called Avalara. Most people probably haven't heard of Avalara, but you probably interact with Avalara on a daily basis. So every time you go into an online store, download music, there's a little calculation um, that's being done on the tax side. Our, our solutions are in the back end calculating those taxes and ensuring that um, states and cities are remitted their proper, their proper uh, tax amounts. So companies don't necessarily need to have a huge tax liability. That's fascinating. So you basically do the calculation for sales check, sales uh, tax at checkout, no matter what I'm purchasing, essentially. Essentially, yeah. And it's it's interesting, as interesting as tax can be, is that depending on where you're at, there's like layers of taxes. So there's a state tax, there's a city tax, there's even local boundary tax. So all of these kind of pile into it and... Um, we kind of take the complexity out of it for the companies and calculate it for them. So it's, an, it's, it's interesting because like you can be exactly on the same street and the house on the east side of the street probably pays a different tax than the house on the west side of the street, primarily because of boundaries. So it's, it's very interesting. Do you know what city, like state, city, county, like who's, who has the highest tax rate? I do not know. I do not know who has so the California. I bet. Probably California, yes. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Virginia's Virginia's very, very tax happy too. Yeah. New York. Okay. Um, so what what goes into that? Like that's something that sounds so easy at the start. And surely you have to go and keep track of, you know, the various laws passed and updates to tax code. Um, but how how do you actually go about kind of managing that? From a, from a software perspective. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a very simple, if you think about it, 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 you know, calculating taxes should be relatively simple. You look at, you know, you, you know where you're at, your address, and then you, you know, you refer to whatever tax tables and rates. Now, try to apply that to the entire United States and even across cross borders, it becomes at scale very, very difficult to do. So we have to build a very highly resilient, very fast, um, very fast set of applications. Um, and we have to be able to scale, especially when you're talking about peak seasons during what we call cyber oh, week, yeah. right? There's, there's a lot of that, um, happening. So like in Q4 or, um, November, December, there's a lot of transactions happening. And even when it's not cyber week, um, you know, in the past pandemic, there were these things where you would have flash sales. So we saw a significant increase there. So we actually had to build a system that was um, resilient, um, can grow, can shrink, um, and calculate people's taxes very fast, right? Because if you're sitting there waiting, you know, uh, for something to calculate, the likelihood of you completing the transaction goes less and less. So we have to be able to, you know, companies need to be able to complete the transaction as fast as possible. 
especially if someone changes their mind. So you need a highly resilient system. Um, we built that system on AWS. We use a lot of cloud native services, um, MongoDB, Snowflake on, on our backends um, to run to run this system. And so That's it's, incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's amazing as, as generally boring tax it can be. Um, <laughs> the, the technology behind it is, is amazing. Talk to me. So it, it's curious to me that companies who focus their products around something typically absorb some of that concern or culture into their own culture um, and kind of approach to work. How does Avalara actually focus on cost internally and from a budget perspective? I know you have some interesting opinions around FinOps and saving money in the cloud. Yeah, so I'm um, the director of cost optimization at Avalara and cost optimization in general is built in our, into our culture, right? There's not not a lot of companies have uh, you know, a director of cost optimization or a dedicated team around what we call FinOps or cloud financial management. Um, at Avalara, we, you, you can see the culture is embedded, you know, the cost conscious culture is embedded in, in, our, in the roles that we have um, and how our management and our leadership think about it. So, you know, good example is we have weekly meetings with our high, high level executives and our leadership team um, in engineering to look at our costs on a regular basis, what the trends are um, and where, where we're at. Yeah. And, you know, where the costs are and, you know, the trends and our teams are, you know, are working very hard at not only building scalable systems, but making sure they're, they're cost effective. You know that you built the culture right um, when people, engineers are now asking each other, like, are we building it in the most cost-effective way? About two years ago, I was, I was brought in and I was the one raising my hand and asking like, is this the most cost-effective way we can do it? Here's some waste and all of that stuff. But, you know, just recently, like in the past, you know, six months, I'm starting to see this, the comments and the slacks and, and, and whatnot saying, and engineers asking like, hey, have, have we, shut down systems. I've seen this thing over here. Can we shut it down? So the, you know, it's permeating outside and, um, to our engineering teams. And that's, that's great. You know that you're being successful when people and engineers are actually the ones raising these questions. Um, so it, it's been, it's been good. Yeah. And I, I'm super curious about the journey and this is something Emily and I haven't talked about on the podcast yet is, you know, the overall cost of running a cloud business. How do I look at that? And how do I, especially, you know, if I have a business where I'm selling something that becomes part of, you know, net revenue. And so what does that journey look like? If I'm a developer and I'm listening to this today and I want to go, I'm, I'm going to see things like the cost explorer, right? Or the, or the cloud usage report. What did that journey look like? What tools did you use in the beginning? Did you use the built-in AWS tooling? Did you set metrics? Was it some open source? What was the your approach to that? Yeah, my, my approach to it is, um, you know, I follow, we follow the philosophy of uh, people, process, and tools, right? We focus first on the people, making sure we have the right people, the right culture. Then we look at, you know, what's our process like? Do we have the right processes in place? And then we accelerate or scale it out with tools. So when I started about two years ago, we looked at, the first thing I looked at is like, hey, what does our tooling look like? And our, is our engineering teams using the existing tooling? And what I found was teams weren't using the, the existing tooling that we had. 
I think when we, we looked at it, um, very few of the engineers were actually going inside this tool. Um, so one of the first things I did from a cost optimization perspective was jettison the tool that we weren't using and then looked at, okay, what can we natively use in AWS? So we started off with Cost Explorer. Um, we implemented uh, the cost and usage, um, the curve database that uh, uh, AWS has, you know, that the well-architected labs was great. And then we, we threw on top of that our, our BI solution. And those two, both Cost Explorer and uh, the, the cost and usage reporting through the Athena database have been our primary tools. Um, and it, you know, it meets our needs. At some certain point, we'll probably add more tooling to fit where there are gaps. But our focus really is, okay, let's use what we have and you know, immediately try to get, get savings as much as possible. So we, when, you know, when looking back, one of the first things we did was, okay, what are the low hanging fruits, right? So um, using savings plans, I mean, and you, if you Google like things to how to do save, save money in the cloud, they're one of the first thing is savings plans and a bunch of other things. Uh, and we did all of those, <coughs> Yeah. excuse me. <coughs> we did all of the initial ones at first. Um, <coughs> And that was, and that was probably the first year, and we got tremendous amount of savings out of that. Um, essentially, double digits in terms of you know reducing Amazing. our run rate. Um, and then you know as you as you get good at doing all of these other things, like getting rid of waste, deleting unattached EBS volumes, identifying um, stale snapshots. Um, now we're looking at you know what an, on an architectural perspective can we change? Are we right sized? Um, teams are are looking at those things on a regular basis, um, and our teams are always constantly innovating, right? So you know, replacing what we can with Redis um, to, to you know speed things up, looking at other cloud native infrastructure that makes more sense for us. Um, you know, that's kind of the the journey you have, right? Like I think if you're starting from scratch, start with the easy things first, right? Like you can easily get away where. It's, you know, get it out of the way where it's not controversial. It's just more of like, oh, yeah, we should do it. And then slowly, yeah, once you get, gain that confidence that, um, that you know, the, the buy-in from the organization kind of move up to more of the more difficult things like architectural, right? Like um, there are things that teams built, right, you know, that were probably first was get it out the door, make sure it can handle X amount of TPS and let's see where it's at. Now it's been a few months, maybe we're not getting the, the amount that we expected or, you know, there's opportunities there, then, you know, kind of dial it back and make adjustments. Yeah. I love that you said people first mm -hmm. because people can ignore process. <laughs> and they, and I, <laughs> and I, Emily can probably talk so much about, you know, people being at the core of DevOps and is there, you know, is this, is this FinOps? Is this, you know, what we're talking about here with cost? It, it sounds like this is all, all part of that. And I'm just super curious of the reaction of, as a developer, is there a report going out of how much I'm using? I'm kind of locked in that. What was the buy-in that you found in the company? Because I agree with you, human beings first, that's where your success is gonna be. But if somebody is, you know, this is the first time they're doing that, how do you go and tell a developer team, you know, we're looking at what you're spending and 
is it a way that actually shows, you know, that you can do things more performant and it, it's a benefit for everyone? Yeah. So um, what we do actually is we have um, what we call cost champions. So it started off with a small group of engineers that said, hey, they're either they either volunteered or they were voluntold to participate um, in this you know, cost champions. And we have a Slack channel and then the purpose of the cost champions was one is to distribute out um, strategies and, and uh, you know, the culture of FinOps, right? Like um, thinking about through that and then um, sharing opportunities, sharing wins. And over time, it eventually grew from, I want to say roughly around 15 core individuals to a channel of over a hundred um, engineers across the organization. And we're also not looking at um, uh, AWS. We're looking at other cloud-related things because the FinOps principles that you know we, we've embedded into our organization apply across any type of uh, service that is usage-based, right? Where um, you can actually impact a cost by simply making better choices. So, um, you know, focusing on these engineers and, and culture has been has been really great for the teams um, and that's helped drive the adoption. I think we, you know, just a few yeah, about 12 months ago, someone mentioned about shifting left and um, I'm not from a background of engineering. Right. I, I've kind of fell into this over time and I'm like, oh, this is an interesting concept. I looked it up. I'm like, yes, this is exactly what we're doing. We're making it yeah. more we're making it easier for engineers to do the right thing earlier. And if you think about it, putting the FinOps function, cost optimization in the engineering uh, organization is kind of that first step of kind of shifting left, bringing it more to the culture. And we kind of carry that through uh, the, you know, as we develop the program, what we want to do is one is, you know, I talk about the, the people on the process and we're leveraging our, their process, right? Like our engineers use JIRA, and rather than you know sending all of these cost optimization uh, recommendations or savings opportunities in Slack or email, I use Jira because that's where they do their work. Um, every time someone says, "Hey, I have an idea," I'm like, "Hey, that's great. Can you send it to me in a Jira request so I can track it down?" So I'm using their tools, right, and making it uh, easier for them. We also have um, uh, you know tooling that creates. Um, you know, that monitors policies and, and creates a, a JIRA ticket and assigns it to these individuals. So we're trying more and more making it easier for our engineers to do things, um, to be aware of these cost optimization opportunities um, and, you know, like shifting more of it left. And like I said, um, I, you know, that, that moment of like joy that came up to me was when our engineers started talking about costs before I even bring it up, right? It's like, you know, it's like, oh, this is great. Oh, it's wild. I can't even, I'm, I'm actually a little shocked, honestly, <laughs> knowing developers that that's, that's what's occurred. Um, I was curious, did you have any sort of naysayers or pushback when you started bringing around this sort of cost optimization to their work? Was it, were there fears or like, what was that, that initial transition like? Um, I think there was just, there was some initial, initial uh, pushback primarily because of hey, who's this guy coming in asking me all of these questions about my my application, right? And the way I approached it was really of a 
I really approached it in just answering questions because I wanted to understand how the application worked. And it wasn't more of like, hey, I know better than you because I don't know better than these engineers. They're way smarter than me. Um, yeah. And they know what they're doing about these things. My questions were more of like, oh, this is, you know, my approach was like, oh, I'd love to hear more about this. And then come back and say, hey, sharing information with other teams like, oh, you know what? This other team is actually saving, you know, finding savings because they've approached it differently. You might want to connect with them or yeah. even connecting with our the industry. I, I connect with various um, other companies and their FinOps functions and ask them, you know, what they're doing. And then I share it back with with our engineers, like saying like, hey, this other group, this other um, company that probably does you know, much more than we do is doing this. Maybe we should look at that and see what from a, you know, best practices are we doing that? So my role really is um, just about sharing information. It's incredible. I love that. Um, any open source tools that you found particularly useful? I'm assuming to some degree you have uh, bespoke code that, that helps with some of these optimizations, but have you leaned on open source or what are your thoughts around the tooling aspect of this? Yeah, I 100% I, um, I believe in open source where, where we can use it. We use a cloud custodian, or at least the basis of cloud custodian for some of our policies. Um, and one of the reasons why we selected cloud custodian was, one, it was open source, but the second thing is it's something that our engineers um, can, you know, already know, right? Like they don't, they don't like to do click ops, right? Like clicking and configuring a tool, they like to kind of program, get their hands into it. And they're already familiar with something like YAML. Um, and so we can leverage that, right? So once again, shifting left, we wanted to make sure that engineers were comfortable with these things. So that's one of the reasons why we looked at something like Cloud Custodian, where they can use it, but also too, like engineers love to love, you know, love to learn, right? And even if they don't know it, they, they'll learn it and then take it on to their next opportunity. Um, interestingly, like even Cloud Explorer, uh, Cost Explorer, it seems to be a common thing that teams already know. And that's one of the reasons why we use Cost Explorer was, I don't have to train, in most cases, an engineer how to use Cost Explorer. If you use AWS, you already know Cost Explorer, so you know, you're comfortable with that. Even if maybe not necessarily the most efficient way to do it, it's efficient for them. And they do, the engineers do enough in Cost Explorer to get what they need. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to mess with that piece of their, their, their flow. And I think that's part, it's a big part of your success. I keep hearing from it. You were basically meeting engineering teams where they were. You weren't yeah. coming in and saying, I need you all to learn. And this entire new system, you know, I don't know if there's any office space fans from back in the day, but like, I need you to fill out TPS reports, right? Like going to start doing all this extra. And I think once you get to that cost conscious culture, you know, Emily and I work for this famously frugal company. And you know, when you when you see things, I've always looked at it as when you save money and you have that as part of the culture, it allows you to do other things if you put it back into the company. Is that something that you've seen where it's allowed you to maybe experiment and check out other different AWS services or it's freed up other things that, you know, and resources that now will enable you to do that where maybe you wouldn't be before because you were spending so much money in just base business. Yeah, so one of the I, one of the things that I always explain to people is even though my my title is cost optimization, it's really about 
um, invest, you know, making the right investments. And if you're freeing up uh, cash, lack of a better word, right, in services that we're not using or not efficiently see, not efficiently using, we can use it for other things. And you know, um, as long as we're under budget or we're on target, you know, we're kind of like focused on is there a better way for us to do this? And if you free up some money, you know, there's no reason why you can't necessarily, um, you know, see if you can use some of that to to improve the the process. You know, um, you know learn something. Um, and you know, our organization is about you know experimenting and learning. And uh, we've you know we've gotten dividends from that. Um, from this experimentation um, and letting our engineers do what they do best and innovate. I love that. Do you have any kind of published blog or where can people learn more about this and Avalara, like actually kind of implementing some of this? Yeah, so we have a Avalara blog. And unfortunately, I don't have the, the link here, but I put it in the notes. It. Yeah. Um, so we have an Avalara blog uh, out there that. Um, you know, people can go to and learn what we're doing with uh, our various technologies. Um, also, cost optimization. Um, we'll, we'll be starting a blog post on our, our cost optimization journey um, there. Um, so, they, yeah, teams can learn there. Fantastic. And where can people find you on Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera? Uh, yeah, you can find me at um, on LinkedIn, uh, Lindbergh Montaliano. There's probably no other Lindbergh Montalianos out there. Um, <laughs> I probably I looked. Love it. <laughs> there's a couple Emily. There's a couple Emily Freemans. I'll tell I you that. know one of them is an Olympian. So the Emily Freemans are representing our. You know we're doing good. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you so much, Lindbergh, for joining us. I've learned so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dave. Emily, it was great talking with you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. That was great. And we're at almost uh, 23 minutes. You did great. You should be you proud. I think your kids will enjoy listening to what you do. And just the way you focused it created a narrative that I didn't see going into this of really how people fit into a cost conscious culture and how that can enable innovation. At least that's how I, what I took from it. And then you also gave practical examples of how you actually started what tools you used and, and all of those things. I'll make sure I, I add those show notes. Is there anything that you wanted to ask that we didn't ask? Cause I can always put it back in. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I felt like I was just throwing I personally a lot. I felt there was very good. Yeah. Great. No, I no, thought I mean, it was great, but I just, I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I can think of anything. I think, uh, yeah. No, no one's going to be okay. like, Hey, go download, uh, Sales tax software. Go to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that was good. I, I'm going to hit stop now so that okay. Emily's computer can upload. So just one sec.